0: Welcome to Have You Seen This, the podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten cinema. All discussions will be spoiler heavy.
1: You have been warned. Have you seen this? I'm Jennifer Albright,
2: and I'm Tim Hyderick.
1: And returning to the show, we have our recurring special guest. He's delightful. He's lovely. He's your friend and mine, Will Miniker. Hello. How's it going, Will?
0: It's going well. I am uh, back in the city, and uh, I must. It was uh, lovely to see you guys again when I was uh, out on the West Coast. You uh, you dropped by uh, our show and the house we were staying at in San Francisco, so. Blessed as always.
1: <laughs> Namaste. Well, anyway, uh, we're back with Will to discuss a Liliana Cavani film called Francesco, starring my paisan, Mickey Rourke.
0: Bene. Who's Molto titular? bene.
1: Uh, the titular Francesco, he is everyone's favorite saint, uh, St. Saint Francis of Assisi.
2: The saint I only know about because of Red Dwarf, he's nice to animals, I guess. <laughs> That's as far as my knowledge. That is the goes. Uh, the
0: famous thing about uh, Saint Francis is that he did he did minister to the uh, the squirrels and the birds and uh, and pets. He thought there was you know nothing beyond uh, the word of God.
1: He also apparently convinced a wolf not to eat a bunch of townspeople. Mm. And he also got the townspeople to feed the wolf in return.
2: That is like some next-level proselytizing right
0: there. <laughs> He's a He was a conservationist as well, you know?
1: Yes. So uh, before we get started, what are everyone's theological bona fides? Uh,
0: uh, oh, I'll start. Uh, not many. <laughs> um, I was raised in sort of a very non-religious household. I mean, if we queued to any... Tradition—it was Christianity. We celebrated Christmas and Easter. Went to church a few times a year. I did go to a religious school, an Episcopalian school, from uh, by kindergarten through eighth grade. But uh, never—not you know—we did go to church like twice a week. But none of that religious teaching was really uh, reinforced at home. So I don't really have a great. Wealth or depth of uh, religious tradition or affiliation to draw from.
2: So you aren't watching Francesco and going like, "Oh, come on, he never did that."
0: (laughs) No, (laughs) I'm watching being very, uh, very impressed by uh, his religious dedication and rapture.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, I was raised nominally Catholic. I uh, quit before I was confirmed. Um, but Tim was a part of the firebrand religion, Lutheranism. Yeah,
2: I got uh, 95 problems with Catholicism that I'd like to go through right now.
1: (laughs) Thread, one of 95. One of 96, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so um, we're not really approaching this from a theological perspective. We're kind of approaching it as, uh, you know, just... uh, Film aficionados. Um, Liliana Cavani um, is probably most famous for The Night Porter. Have you seen that one, Will?
0: I have not, but I am familiar with it. It's another one where uh, uh, Charlotte Charlotte Rampling is sort of a sexy, topless Nazi. She has to wear suspenders. Yeah. No shirt. And Um, sort of one of those sexy uh, SS hats. That's all I know about that movie yeah it's
1: uh there is uh, every
0: ss hat is a sexy ss hat right
2: (laughs) (laughs) depending
1: on what part of twitter you're from or no i should say gab never mind Mm. um but yeah and that one was about a woman who um ends up meeting someone who's a guard in a concentration camp that she was in and they rekindle their incredibly fucked up relationship
2: okay that timeless story
1: (laughs) so so um women
2: love a man in uniform and men love a woman in striped pajamas <laughs> Jesus Christ
0: <laughs> I, I wasn't aware that, uh, that she directed The Night Porter uh, I wasn't really aware Of like, her, her body of work at all um, When I recommended That we do this movie And I recommended that we, that we do it Because it is Extremely not seen by anyone
1: Yeah like, I hadn't almost heard of it nobody... until you brought it up
0: Almost nobody knows about this movie. And I like it because I am sort of a – I consider myself sort of a (laughs) Rourkeologist, sort of a student of the the, the canon of uh, the films of actor Mickey Rourke. Um, And this one is both incredibly obscure but also um, incredibly funny and interesting to me on uh, a number of levels. And it features, I think, a very uh, weird but also – Strangely moving performance by Mickey Rourke as Saint Francis of Assisi.
1: Yeah, you think that it's going to be incredibly distracting seeing him in this movie because, like, I, like the first the things that come to mind when you say the name Mickey Rourke are like, you know, like in his early period, you know, before he screwed up his face and you know everyone in France like totally loved him. He played like these, uh, you know, these kind of rogue. Type parts, yeah, um, or you know, just kind of like a, a mooc who'd maybe fight you.
2: Yeah, and and uh,
1: now he's kind of obviously like in his old in his old age, he's kind of moved into like definitely character roles because of the way he looks now. But he's certainly a a, a very able and sophisticated actor, and I, I feel like he really works well in this movie.
0: And this we... movie was made in in 1989, I think. So this was yeah. at the height of his his stardom and his good looks. This, yeah, you know, this like. He was, an, you know, an exceptionally handsome guy who, like you said, usually played these sort of, you know, streetwise, tough characters, uh, really going against type in this in, an, in a, you in know, like I said, a strange and interesting way at the height of his sort of fame and celebrity.
2: I found that kind of distracting, though, because I always see him as kind of this um, pugilistic kind of Jersey mook, like no matter what he's playing. So I don't know, maybe... It worked for you, but for me, I'm just like oh There's I didn't know, uh, you know, Saint Francis of Assisi like wore affliction shirts or something.
1: (laughs) And carries tiny chihuahuas with him wherever he goes. No, but um, he did. He did really work well for me in the role because um, uh, you know, Saint Francis, uh, you know, obviously he wasn't always he wasn't always a saint. He started off as you know basically like a rich kid. Yeah. You know who was you know into completely sensual pleasures you know they show him like carousing with all his like his like rich friends there's this there's a bit where like he throws like a whole roast pig at a guy yeah and i mean you you can certainly
2: see mickey rourke as like that like fail son child of privilege you know kind of go nowhere uh sort of like rich kid
1: yeah and then um and uh helena bonham helena bonham carter's character uh chiara who narrates the film along with a bunch of uh Francis' acolytes, you know, you can see, uh, you can understand why she's drawn to him immediately because she meets him in his, you know, in his rich boy phase. And he is like very striking, Mm -hmm. you know? So like, I certainly, I certainly buy that.
0: Uh, Francesco uh, later to become St. Francis of Assisi was, I, I think, you know, as the movie makes clear, not the child of nobility, but the child of a very very sort of wealthy uh, merchant class. And there's some question uh, early on, like his his family and him has ambitions that he will uh, go on a campaign for one of the local lords and become <coughs> given a knighthood. Their family will be given uh, a crest. Yeah, but he is a machine. failed son and kind of fucks that up. First, he gets ransomed on the first time. Yes, oh. <laughs> He gets ransomed with all a bunch of other lads from CC and is in prison for a year. And that's where he first finds the Bible. And there's a scene where they show uh, a priest who is like tortured and flayed this guy alive for the sin of translating the uh, Latin Bible into the you know common vernacular. Um, and that's the first time and, – and, 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 and Francesco – like gets that copy of the book that this guy was being tortured and killed for, and begins to read it during his year in captivity when him and all of his friends are being, you know, ransomed out by among these, you know, warring uh, houses and whatnot. So, yeah, uh, he is a he, he's a fail son at being a soldier or a knight of any kind, and then it's it's he has his big his conversion moment. This his second time out trying to be a knight where he gets kitted out with all the armor like you know his father takes out loans so we can have all the horses and a squire and everything and then as soon as he gets it he gives it all away and that's like his first step onto this path of sort of self-denial and the 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 lowering of oneself to bring you one closer to god
1: yeah because um the founding of the Franciscan order, uh, you basically have to take a vow of poverty, and you have to issue like all your belongings and beg.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the idea was is that the, he was going to take the the gospels literally, and when Jesus says like if you want to follow me, give away everything that you have, he does exactly that, thinking that like if I want to be close to Christ. I will live a life that is as close to the one Jesus led yeah, as I can possibly be. <laughs> yeah,
1: and you know, not to make this the edge lord atheist hour, but isn't it funny how like nobody does that anymore, and now we have shit like the prosperity gospel and
2: Oh yeah. Well, this that's kind of gone pretty far afield of what I think the actual you know New Testament was about, but yeah. So you know, try no to one... try to imagine imagine trying to explain that to a you
0: know. Well, an, an interesting thing is like as you see in in this movie, the uh, the Franciscan uh, the Franciscan Order sort of develops. It becomes um, a very powerful sect in the Catholic Church after they're officially recognized, and but also like troublesome and a cause mm-hmm. of like huge debates and 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 you know uh, much consternation within the Church itself. That I remember, I remember that. One of the issues that they talk about in this movie and one of the rules that Francesco lays down later becomes very controversial and is the source of the debate that is taking place in both the film and novel The Name of the Rose, another one of my favorite books and movies. But it is the debate between the Francescan and Benedictine orders debating the theological question of did Christ own the clothes that he wore, which is a very important Uh, Theological question But it had huge ramifications For the church itself Of when it comes to Whether they could own Not just property But, um, you know Wear really fancy jewels And silks And robes And uh, display The sort of wealth And the power of the church um, Through their own appearance Rather than Looking like paupers Looking like beggars Which is as What Francesco does
1: Yeah, because he Like goes he goes whole hog and, like, completely, like, breaking from his his wealthy family. There's this scene um, where he's in court because his his dad is so mad at him for, like, basically wasting his inheritance. And uh, to make a point, he strips off all his clothes yeah. in front of everyone, which, y- you know, I don't mind.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, they it's love- walking the walk, where it's just like, <laughs> okay, I'll, yeah, if you don't... Know- if you don't want me to be a burden on you here's all your
0: stuff back <laughs> the franciscans in this movie love being nude they love be getting nude to make a point <laughs> to completely purify oneself is to be nude in public
2: well that's when you have you know a female director just throwing all these like nude men and <laughs> they like, this just...
1: movie's gonna have nothing but ball sacks
2: <laughs> there is some of spoiler that alert yes. yeah <laughs> we'll get there
1: there is scrot in this movie there we'll get to that. are man
2: asses aplenty <laughs> I mean,
0: I think another thing, I mean, another thing that, that I think is worth mentioning about the movie is uh, Mickey Rourke's performance is stands apart from virtually everyone else in this movie. Uh, he's, an, he's an American. Everyone else is British.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And everyone else is doing this very <coughs> mannered sort of theatrical style of acting that seems totally different than what Mickey Rourke is doing, who is – in a strange way, kind of affecting this, this sort of muttering, mumbled, soft-spoken figure. And everyone else around him is like, but Francesco, sir, what if, you, what if you give away your land, you'll be poor. <laughs> and it, it, it sets him apart from literally everything else in the movie, which is both corny and kind of ridiculous. But again, sort of fits with uh, the, the world and sort of idea that the movie is trying to portray.
2: Well, that that I kind of find distracting. It's kind of like like Johnny Depp's acting, where it's like, oh, everyone else here is in a movie, and I get to fuck with them. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I like I, I like the performance that actually it actually won me over. Quite, yeah. Because I mean, his absolute sincerity, like really shines through in it
2: i, I don't doubt his sincerity but i mean it's it's mickey rourke's sincerity it's not <laughs> francesco's sense sincerity
1: well by all accounts um in spite of hey,
2: uh, mickey rourke
0: is the man is a saint too all right okay <laughs> well yeah. you <laughs> those dogs we need a separate movie okay I'll yeah, this your was... bad word set against uh the mixter.
1: <laughs> well because we have discussed him before in the show when we talked about angel heart and it was a point that we made before where um even though he got this reputation as being like uh, difficult to work with and, and everything, um, his, the, he always seemed to take the craft of acting like extremely seriously. And in fact, it was partially a reason why he walked away from acting for a little while, I think, because you, know, he was doing shit like, Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man, and he felt like he'd kind of gotten away
0: from... That didn't seem legit to him? No, oh, <laughs> all right. It was more well, legit you know, to
1: get hit repeatedly in the face.
0: When you when you study um, uh, Mickey, when you enter the field of rorkology, right. I mean, one of the things that you do discover is despite playing uh the tough guy or semi ridiculous or like the heartthrob or whatever in movies mickey does have a very intellectual side to him uh in terms of that he's he's written several movies under a Mm -hmm. a, a name um and particularly also like uh, a kind of religious spiritual side to him that comes across in his movies and i think that's why he dedicates himself so much to uh portraying saint francis uh again with his sort of current incarnation like uh also, I mean, it's hard to, suffer, you know, this is speculation on an actor and artist and movie, but I can definitely see how he would relate to Francesco's sort of um, self destructive and sort of mortific- bodily mortification in, in Mickey's yeah. own in dysmorphia, repeated punishment and abuses of his body, but also the disciplining of it through, you know, weightlifting and training and all that, but also the you know, grotesquerie of many, many plastic surgeries. Uh, Another interesting bit of uh, Mickey trivia related to this movie. Uh, Again, just in cursory research for this, this is in the uh, trivia section of the IMDb page. This This is uh, the type of research I do to prepare for a podcast. Uh, Just to show, goes to show, if you believe it, you know, Mickey's a real one. Apparently he donated his entire $1.5 million salary he made from this movie to the provisional IRA. So Hell there you yeah. go. It's a Catholic boy. <laughs> 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 the, the other thing that I, I that, it, probably the main thing, other than, than Mickey's central performance, which I find so sort of weird and funny, but also sort of moving, the thing that, I, I, that charms me about this movie is that I think it's best, best understood as a kind of medieval version of a, kind of, of a rock and roll movie, or the story of a band that like <laughs> gets big and then flames out, that would have been made in the 20th century, but it's in a medieval setting. So you have that same dynamic, but instead of rock music or popular culture, it's just religion. Religion was the thing back then. It was everyone's popular culture, and it's what the kids went crazy for. And with Francesco, He's this guy who's this he's, he's a charismatic guy, a son of privilege, who rejects all of it in the most extreme way possible, but in doing so creates a cool new scene that the <laughs> kids go crazy for and all their parents flip out about.
2: Hey Benedict and, II, like, you know that new sound you've been looking for? <laughs> yeah. Well listen to this. <laughs>
0: it's called giving away everything and living like a beggar among the uh lepers and the wretched and the outcasts of society. And it's the fun thing that all the kids are doing today. And, cool. Out and out the, the cool f- thing is he actually did do that. That is <laughs> amazing to me that that, that that this person both did himself and inspired <laughs> uh so many of his peers and colleagues and of, of basically rich middle-class kids or the 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 equivalent of in medieval italy to do the same and follow him and to 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 give up everything all title all possession and and live um as like basically on the lowest rung of the the social ladder yeah because a
1: large portion of the movie is um his uh people that he knew in his earlier life like basically peeling themselves away from what they knew and joining him one by one you know like one's a lawyer and
2: yeah when it gets back to what jen was first saying about like the uh uh prosperity gospel where it's like yeah we want to believe in religion but like we don't want to like believe in religion like i mean (laughs) let's let's have some sense here
0: and you know there i think there are i remember reading something um I think Abel Ferrara wrote another good Catholic boy about how uh, <laughs> movies as a genre really don't know how to handle, or they very rarely know how to treat or make sense of like sincere religious ecstasy and and belief or like a real like come to Jesus like you know Saul Paul Road to Damascus moment. It always sort of comes across as kind of corny, mm-hmm. and 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 this movie is no ex- is I think. No exception. It does come across as a little corny, but I think it is very interesting. The uh, the attempts to um, portray, uh, like I said, this real religious moment and and movement that did inspire people to do uh, incredible things.
1: Yeah, and it's hard. I mean, and personally, not even being spiritual, like even I get swept up by the end where he reaches his apotheosis, where you know he's alone on the mountaintop and he finally and he gets stigmata
2: the the proverbial thumbs up from God,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but like thing. I said, I like that this movie deals deals with uh, that in a sincere way, but can't help but being a little bit goofy, both in in Mickey Rourke and, and the character itself. Like and,
1: part and of it is like Cavani the... is director, because I don't think I mean looking at a lot of her other works, I don't think she necessarily shied away from going, um, let's say balls out, because it applies here.
2: Right. Yeah. <laughs> (laughs) In,
1: in uh in um you know depicting um you know particular feeling or
2: right well part of it too is that like the way that the portrayal of religious ecstasy comes across as corny is because you kind of already have to be invested in that to get it which is why so many like hardcore Christian movies or just like speaking this other weird language that doesn't appeal to moviegoers Yeah, well, a lot of yeah. them
1: just aren't made well is well, the problem yeah.
2: well I mean whether it's like you know God's Not Dead or like was it the Saving Christmas at Kirk Cameron I, I, I
0: think Tim is right and I think like those certain types of movies are beginning to get more professionally made so that they they look and appear like the, the movies that we're used to seeing however I think Tim is right that they are on some totally different frequency that like it just doesn't. It just doesn't connect in some way because the people making it, their goals are so different than the movies that we're used to.
1: Well, and the reason that I find, again, um, as a non-spiritual person watching movies about spiritual experiences, um, for me to get wrapped up in them, like for movies like this or um, movies like *The Last Temptation of Christ*, um, I guess they more speak a language of, you know, not shying away from, um, you know, the earthiness of humanity. Yeah. Or um or one of the things which which you know, bugged me about people's criticism of the Last Temptation of Christ is like, you know, oh well well, you know, they showed Jesus like, you know, getting being married and like having sex. And I was like, well, you know, Jesus was being tempted and if you're gonna be tempted, like it has to be something really fucking good. It's
2: kind of right in the title, yeah.
1: yeah I mean it's not just gonna be you know, <laughs> you can't just be like, So you wanna like uh, you know like uh, worship the devil
0: It should have been it's called kind of cool. uh it should yeah. have been called the final boss of Christ. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's, it's like Jesus fighting, uh, like Tim Curry from Legend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we Home Easter just passed. Party. The day between Good Friday and Easter, in the Bible, is when Jesus literally, like, puts a dirty dozen style team together to break into hell and, like, uh, was it uh, save Moses or something? That's fucking tight. Yeah, that's, <laughs> these are the apocrypha that I, I want to see made in the into to hell and the day in between. Uh, um, Good Friday and Easter to fight the devil. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I'm I'm not a religious. You
1: said you had barely any theological bona fides. Here you are dropping all this knowledge. I'm
0: interested in religion, even if I'm, you know, don't, you know, participate in it. uh, I am interested in it.
2: Now, one of the things that I want to talk about is a bit of a tangent because. Um, the the movie didn't uh, convert me in the way that it did um, Will and Jen to Catholicism. Yeah, because
1: I mean, you got all the <laughs> shit in your.
2: Yes, I've still.
0: Uh, I've now dedicated my life to uh, Mother Church. I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm coming home.
2: Um, well, uh, as an as a tangent, uh, the one scene in the movie that I found most um, uh, illuminating is uh when when they're going to request official recognition from from the pope and and all of his cardinal friends of the catholic church because i realize what is at odds there is um and the nerdy part of it is like and we can cut this out because no one's going to know what i'm talking about is like say that like christianity is like a github repo and uh (laughs) St. Francis is is trying, or I guess he's just Francis at this point. He's trying to do, like, a pull request saying, like, hey, I want Christianity to work a little differently or Catholicism to work a little differently, and the Pope's got to decide, like, if he's Linus Torvalds running Linux (laughs) where he's, like... I gotta decide like, is this code good enough to like include in like in the in the canon? Like, is this gonna be canonical?
1: I'm gonna leave this in for like the one person who wrote a comment saying, "Hey, that was great." You're just like, "Oh,
2: I totally understand the way the Catholic Church works now." It's like, because <laughs> you know, I... from the Pope's point of view, like that message can get away from them. Like, if they just let anyone come in and be like, "Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying about you know God and Jesus and whatever," and then like you got to be careful who you do and don't let in because on some level these people are you know um are are zealots or they're schizophrenic like i mean john the baptist like he was nuts um (laughs) and and like you know they they you know like talk to like you know invisible voices and it's like is this really the person that we want to have like as our representative like is this going to be like an official part of our religion or no so i do see from the pope's and the cardinal's point of view that they have to be really careful about what they're allowing because it isn't like all necessarily going to be good grassroots organizations that that come (laughs) up saying hey we want catholicism to work this way now
1: well, if you want to talk about it from like a kind of like a a radical or revolutionary <laughs> perspective, you know, it's like that's why there's all this biblical apocrypha, you know, like they yeah. threw out the books that said stuff that kind of made them uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, and, you know. and and the funny. Yes, yeah, so is- I've seen that Glenn Danzig video as well. Where he's like <laughs> all of the secret works of the Bible that were censored, including the one with uh, werewolves and the one where Jesus just kills a kid for insulting him.
1: <laughs> but that's true. That's in the fucking infancy gospels!
0: Right. Yeah. In the
1: fucking infancy gof- gospels and. Like Jesus was this holy terror, and it fu- it fucking makes sense because you you you're raising a kid who like was basically immaculately conceived, the son of God. Yeah. Like, how's that going to affect gonna the be psychology a bit of a, of a prick, kid yeah. growing up? Yeah, and yeah. so like you know he gets mad at one kid and like fucking strikes him dead. And when people get mad at him, he's like fucking fine. And he like resurrects him.
2: Uh, but, um... All right, fine. Come back from the corner But fields. that's too
1: spicy for the Bible. But, uh... <laughs>
0: Speaking of the, the, the scene that uh, we're talking about, though, where they he, – he sort of – they petition um, the cardinals and uh, the re- official representat- representatives of the pope to uh, recognize them as, as within the bounds of the Catholic church and its teachings and authority. Um, not like – I like Tim's um, Linux code um, meta- analysis of this. I, I, for me, this sticks within my it's a rock and roll movie Um, reading of this and like this is the scene in which they they go to the record company and they're going to decide whether they're going to be a band or just a a scene a sort of local scene (laughs) and it's the same thing they're wary of them because they're like "Ooh, can we control the this this hot new thing but (laughs) they know that they have to deal with them because they're so popular Right, and they know this is where the people are. So they're like, "Well, we have to better to sort of bring them into the fold and control them than let them, you know, let it run rampant um, and maybe make some money from them as well." Oh, wow. You the just, devil you know,
1: you just gave me a great idea. I'm going to write a movie musical, a rock musical that's a biblical allegory, and I'm going to call it "The Apple."
2: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Again, back in that scene that I think is is really a, the highlight of the the movie for me. Uh, also there's that one Cardinal talking about, uh, he says that their, their penance will lead to vanity and arrogance until they think they're the only true Christians. And I have to say that idea has kind of caught on because we, as the audience, like we see like the Pope and his Cardinals as like these cloistered sort of invested wealthy church members as the bad guys here. So in a way, like the Cardinal is right. He's like these people who go out and like they take this vow of poverty like they're going to become like more sympathetic than like the people who who mm-hmm. wield the actual power in in uh in uh, the catholic church and it just seemed like an interesting uh it, it 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 seemed like an interesting point of view that changed my perspective on on like who is you know right and wrong necessarily in this situation
1: yeah i mean it certainly um it certainly applies to you know even today how like radicalism is always perceived as a threat you know people seem to be like inherently reactionary and that's why we're always so terrified of what's happening on college campuses with those crazy kids and stuff like that
2: yeah and and i mean i know i'm gonna sound like i'm still like swayed by the fountainhead or something but it's like (laughs) is it possible that like you know a rich powerful person is like right once in a while
0: uh, it's, yeah. it's it's they're right yeah, most an of unpopular thing right just like okay? that that's why they're rich and powerful right but um what's interesting what happens after they get their official recognition which they were so dearly hoping for is sort of tragic because again like, like the rock band they, they they started this new scene that was pure and good and like original and like powerful then they get, sort of, they get hoovered up by the, the big record company, a.k.a. the Catholic Church, and then all of a sudden they have more fans than ever. They have fans from all over the world. They're doing tours. They're selling out stadiums for people just nude in poverty.
2: Um, well, and, I, and then, and then St. Francis has a heart attack in the bathtub in Paris. And- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Remember that period? Oh <laughs> yeah,
0: it is very much like The Doors because is uh, there she, where they describe how like the the movement gets so big that every year they have this like big festival. It's like they're gathering of the juggalos on uh, Pentecost, <laughs> it's,
2: it's, it's,
0: and you know more and more people start coming. But it's like you know the fans. It's like they ask too much of you. They want <laughs> to they know your thought on everything, and then when you tell them, it's not good enough you know they're like no francis we need rules from you and he's just like i am low lower than even the dirt that i mingle with it that's my little uh, mickey rock impression for you he's true, just it's saying exactly like, like oh, that. i i have taken up the gospel and and live my life and i'm not there's no rule i'm not trying to tell you what to do but they're all demanding it of him because you know they're 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 greedy uh, swine
1: yeah which is kind of um and that is like a really adept kind of a moment when you have um you know all these people have come to him and like taken vows of poverty and mm-hmm. you're know, like oh okay you know great like everyone's really getting into this like spiritual trip but then you have the guys who are like you know they're wearing the robes and everything was just like yeah but what about um subsection three uh paragraph two you know like you need to have that like right you know guys who are like are you always have the people who are drawn to it, but like maybe aren't quite like they don't getting the get spirit? Yeah, you know, and um, they're looking—they're basically looking for someone to tell them what to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. and, and he, also like there's a, a, in that scene, uh, they they come across uh, Francis, uh, and he is like chucking shingles off the top of the roof of the uh, of a house that they've been uh, sort of the. The city of Assisi has like sort of gifted to them or allowed them to stay during their festival, and he's chucking shingles off it because he's like, "We should all sleep outdoors. We don't need a house." And at one point, one of the brothers says, "But what about some of the frailer brothers? You know, the scholars, the academics—they can't just sleep rough outside." The but Soy Boys. This, yeah, the, there's this new influx of uh, people, and it reminded me of I'm—I don't know if you guys have seen it yet, but I'm currently in the middle of watching. The Netflix documentary Wild Wild Country About yep. the Rocknishan really cult in Oregon And it reminds me Of like when At a certain point Like the Hollywood people Get involved in it And there's yeah. sort of these Rich outsiders Who are also In their own right Dedicated to the This religious movement Slash cult But are also uh, Quite powerful And charismatic In their own regard mm-hmm. And begin altering The power dynamics Of the group So that 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 moment in Francesco Reminded me of that Where these sort of these uh you know interlopers begin to put their own brand on the movement. Sometimes at the uh, to the detriment of its founder.
2: Yeah. Then it's all covers and greatest hits albums. And <laughs> like,
1: yeah. and then all those albums they put out after he died, like that was fucked up. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: or the one that they did just to get out of their contract. And, I mean, let's not even bring up the Menzeric Franciscans. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or Saint Francis's metal machine music.
2: Yeah. When yeah. when. Saint Francis went electric. I wasn't on board for that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know, it does, like, the movie does make you think about how really extreme that, uh, you know, that this movement really could be. Because if you, like, if you really think about it, um, you know, the act of just completely repudiating your family and all the comforts of your home and literally going out to beg like i i don't think like you don't necessarily have to
2: be crazy to do it
1: (laughs) well you know like you hear stories of people doing this but if you sit and actually think about like okay like what if i were to like you know if i were at home and if i were to just get up you know just like walk out you know tear off my clothes and like go beg like in the middle of the thousand oaks ball or something right like, I'd probably fucking get arrested. Yeah, well. <laughs> like, but, you know, like, for, for, you know, these people, it's, like, a sincere attempt to, like, get closer to Jesus. But that scene is, like, like insane. Because why would, you, why would you give up, like, a warm bed and food? And why would you humiliate yourself and abase yourself by begging? So, I mean, I think, like, a recurring theme of the movie is, like, just this, um, you know.
2: It kind of begs the question, too, that that, is the way by which you become closer to whatever your religious goal is
1: well i think it's a it's it's uh you know the difference between like you know uh i don't really know the words for it but like activism and like personal piety you know like you can go out and feed and clothe the hungry or you know you can just like kind of wall yourself off and you know be like well like in my in my cell on my bed of nails, I am closer to Jesus.
2: Well, yeah, because then it like, gets into, like, that kind of Mother Teresa thing, where it's like, oh, I'm helping by letting these people suffer, and thereby getting them closer to God.
1: Yeah, there's it's like that. well, uh, I
0: would say the difference between St. Francis and uh, Mother Teresa is uh, Mother Teresa was living in a time uh, where we actually didn't have to have the medical conditions of the 13th century, yeah. whereas St. Francis wasn't. <laughs> um, but, uh, to this question, like, the, the first third of the movie or so um, does deal with this question, like, is he crazy? Obviously, like, all of his close, his family and, and and closest friends all think that he has gone bonkers. However, little by little, they begin to sort of follow him around as he just lives like a homeless person on the streets and among lepers and observe him. And they, they're, they, they become converted because they they see that it's not – just a fit of fancy or like some sort of (laughs) schizophrenic break he's had with reality. Like he, he has connected with something and perhaps even God. And it's sort of undeniable to them that he has discovered something real and they begin to follow him and do the same to Mm. this question though, uh, of what a radical idea this is. History proves out that this was an incredibly radical idea, and even though the the French uh, Fran- I keep fucking up this up. Franciscans, Franciscans, <laughs> Franciscans, Francescans, Franciscans were recognized by the Catholic Church, the doctrine of poverty that they um, found, inspired led to all kinds of uh, heresies and heretical sects in uh, in medieval Italy, and going coming back to the name of the rose, a big subplot to that book are the dulcinian uh, heretics and the spiritual movements of the time which took this idea of not owning any property and applied it to everything including the church itself and they hated wealth and would sack churches and give away their property uh to to the poor and of course that was a major her the catholic church could not be letting that go on so of course that's a shame because it sounds
1: like good praxis to
0: me they were brutally <laughs> suppressed uh by by the church not not surprisingly yeah. but um, francesco sort of threads this needle uh of poverty but does it in a way that doesn't really threaten the actual wealth of the catholic church
1: oh. it does make me think of my uh experience like going to st peter's basilica like a few years ago as a lapsed catholic um you know marching and it is a march through the vatican museum to get to the um sistine, the sistine chapel. chapel like you're being hustled through these like room after room of like the world's treasures right. and you can't really <laughs> stop to see it because like shit you know we got a window to see the fucking sistine chapel yeah. you know and so you finally get there and yes it is it is absolutely incredible and overwhelming he painted to see. that one guy
2: getting his dick bit by a snake
1: that's right yeah that was just his thing oh wow but um so, you know, and then you see the Sistine Chapel, which is certainly, certainly worth it. And, you know, mm-hmm. and then later we went in and saw the Pieta and everything. But I just remember looking at all the statues of the of the various popes, and there was only one that was in any kind of a prayerful pose. The others looked like they were about to put out a hit on somebody.
0: Well, they are all <laughs> Italian. About to drop the hottest mixtape of uh, <laughs> the <58. laughs>
1: But you know that's a that's 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 a question for for Catholics to struggle with.
2: Yeah, it's like yeah, you know, how how do you become you know the, the Pope of the Catholic Church by being like a good pious man or <clears throat> a little shady dealing on the uh, side, stepping
1: on a few heads, you know?
0: Well, I mean, I, I think they would say, as they say in the movie, that you know. Uh, you, you, you know, you, a man cannot live as a, a a sheep in a world with so many wolves, and like there is the ideal that Jesus represents but at the same time the knowledge that the world that we live in is hopelessly corrupted by sin, so they're like, hey you know, like we're, we're repping Jesus Christ, but in order to have that have any effect, we gotta have some real world power too
2: right yeah, you, you gotta knock a few heads
1: well, um, going back to uh, themes of Earthly sensuality. Um, We're going
2: to talk about his balls, aren't we? <laughs> yes, do that.
1: Now, I um, when I was researching, I uh, for this podcast, I went to the UCLA UCLA library and got this incredibly academic book about the film works of Liliana Cavani. Um, it's called *The Gaze in the Labyrinth*, and um, it's full of sentences like this. And I, I read this before I uh, before I actually watched the movie. One of the most remarkable and controversial scenes is Rourke's unabashed ballet on the snow. He dances around naked, as if he becomes one with the earth and the air. He makes snow figures that represent his human desire for a wife and children in order to tame his libidinal urges. And yeah, that's pretty much exactly what happened.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> However, you they, they, don't, they don't describe that he also... Uh, he, he sort of full belly slides down a snowdrift, completely <laughs> naked. And then, we, yes, you do see his balls. Uh, and then begins sort of piling snow into his crotch and just sort of icing down his libidinal urges, but also releasing them in a, a, a moan of some kind, either coldness or ecstasy. You be the judge.
2: <laughs> I th- I think, Will, you had earlier mentioned um, it being similar to Raging Bull.
0: Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Gotta l- fight Ray. Gotta <laughs> fight Ray. LaMotta <laughs> pouring
2: ice water onto his crotch.
1: <laughs> I can't I I really and again like really got to hand it to Mickey Rourke for fully committing.
2: Well, yeah, scene. as you said earlier, he does take his craft seriously. Like it is an
1: actual it is an actual field of snow and ice. He fully belly flops into it and he packs snow like around his dick and balls. That's commitment. And yeah. I admire that. And he literally. And then, says, and then he
0: makes uh, he makes some snowmen and says to his brothers, <laughs> "The little one is my son." <laughs> <laughs> I, I have been tempted, and which also leads into the Helena Bonham Carter character, because another <laughs> very radical thing that they do is allow women into their brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Helena Bonham Carter character, you know, she is sort of the narrator of the movie and one of his closest. Friends and confidants is you know another uh, this this rich girl who chooses to follow him, but um, you know he has the idea that like you know nobody is beyond the gospel or above it, and and bringing you know women a woman into their order is like that's when people really start getting freaked out by you know what the implications of this all could be if their daughters are now going to go live you know in covered in filth surrounded by a bunch of other dirty men walking the roads uh you know unprotected which which christ knows what can happen um yeah this is this is a very dangerous radical idea that he has yeah and and then it's also the question of you know is he letting her into the brotherhood because he's in love with her or because she's in love with god and you know is you know the temptation of a, a beautiful woman who is so dedicated to him is, you know, a question that he has to address.
1: Yeah, because it's, certain um, you know, and it certainly does come to mind, especially, like, watching the earlier scenes, because, you know, you have two, like, attractive people who are drawn to each other, but, you know. And she says, um, you know, like, early on, like, she talks when... She talks about the first time that she laid eyes on him. It's like in these almost ecstatic terms.
2: She mentions that a couple of times. Like the fourth time I laid eyes on him.
1: Yeah, like she literally (laughs) remembers like each and every time she saw him. Yeah, because
2: the framing device is kind of like like the band getting back together for one reunion tour, but without their you know their front man.
1: (laughs) It's like Skinner. (laughs) Yeah. The frame story is at the state fair yeah <laughs> we're getting back together one more time mm-hmm.
0: on a on... out, you know uh play i'm lower than dirt i mingle with dirt we all want to hear i mingle <laughs> with the dirt
1: <laughs> they're on they're on the bottom half of a double bill uh led by the version of sticks without dennis DeYoung.
0: yeah
2: yeah but you know <laughs> they they were able to get sammy hagar for vocals so that's pretty good <laughs> nice.
1: are we being irreverent
2: Yes. Oh, quite.
1: <laughs> but yeah, like, I wish uh, I had more to draw on from this book, but it all has, like, uh, sentences like this. Cavani employs the centrifugal compositional technique in which the film's visual lines are directed toward the limina of the frame, thus displacing the symmetrical relation of body to the background. And it's like, I know what that means, but that's a little dry.
2: <laughs> a bit, yeah. I don't. What, <laughs> what I want to point out is the abrupt uh tv like editing in this in that it'll be bit, yeah. yeah it'll be the the back to the frame story of, of helena bottom carter narrating it and being like and then he told everyone to give away all their possessions and smash cut too yeah yeah uh saint francis hey i'm giving away my possessions someone's walking <laughs> out with a couch
1: yeah it does almost seem to be cut like for commercial breaks almost yeah. and it made me wonder about the version that we watched which was just you know someone just put it up on on vimeo right um but it should be mentioned that cavani... god bless them
0: because you can't find this movie anywhere else yeah exactly so, um...
1: i mean uh liliana cavani started off as a, a television documentary filmmaker oh well, um, there you go you know she made you know she made documentaries about like the third reich and some other subjects and mm-hmm. then she got into um she directed a movie about Galileo, and she did one about Nietzsche, you know, so she's done a lot of this historical stuff. Ooh, a
0: lot of the yeah. great thinkers of history. Yeah,
1: which I actually, I, I, it's called Beyond Good and Evil, and I really kind of want to see it because apparently it's about Nietzsche being in a, in a, a menage a trois. And, hey. and one of the people in it is Robert Powell, who was in a movie we discussed in one of our first episodes, Harlequin, a.k.a. Oh, Dark Forces.
2: Sure enough, wow, nice.
1: But that's neither here nor there. Um, beyond
2: monogamy, I like that.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so it does, it, it does kind of feel like a TV production, and I'm not sure if it's because of the um,
2: the budget or the style.
1: Well, it's it's not even like it's 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 uh, it looks unconvincing in like a low budget kind of way. It's just that everything is like so claustrophobic, and I don't know if that was like a, you know, um, a throwback to her TV directing career, you know, where you are working with smaller budgets, or if she was just going for kind of like a, a very enclosed feeling. I mean, because the movie opens and like um, the camera is in a fucking tent looking out, right? And it's... you see Helen Bonnet Carter approaching the camera, like just really working with opening.
2: what she knows.
1: It could be. I mean, uh, I guess it's not... um, It doesn't have, like, the like the epic cinema feel like of a, a religious movie like Ben Hur, for example. Right, yeah. It's a more it's a more I, but I don't know, like maybe But like Ben a...
0: Hur or like all the religious epics, those are Bible stories or they deal with uh, Jesus, but they're not really about religious belief. They're they're adventure stories. Like they 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 reference God or whatever, where it's like you are the gig king <laughs> but this is a movie that's actually about religious belief. Yes. So, it's you know, it's going to be, a, you know, it has a more, like, interior feel to it.
1: Smart. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's why I lose interest in Ben-Hur, like, right after the chariot race.
0: Do you know what, Uh, well, I mean, you, right after that, you have to watch three quarters of the movie to get to the chariot race. So, it's hard <laughs> to, that you pretty much kept interest in Ben-Hur.
1: But at least as you're watching it, you can enjoy all the gay subtext. Oh, no, you know you know, what, actually, uh, I should say supertext.
0: <laughs> do you know what Gore Vidal said about Ben-Hur? He did... Uh, work on the screenplay? Yes. <laughs> uh, he said, um, when I arrived on set, I found the studio had constructed everything to my exact specifications, including Charlton Heston.
1: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about that is that Charlton Heston always maintained like, oh no, absolutely. There was absolutely nothing, just nothing gay it. about the movie. He just didn't fucking know because like the minute that Ben-Hur comes home and like meets Masala and Masala has this look like, so we still, uh, you know, you me, right?
2: Yeah. You
1: remember? Yeah. yeah. It's like wow. It's like not even hidden. Yeah. But Cheston's just like, I'm the hero of the big Bible movie.
2: And <laughs> that one time at band camp.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess um, Francesco being like a, a movie more about like in, interiors rather than exteriors, like that—that that certainly makes sense.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. But it's also um, TV. I guess getting to the, uh, the the end of the movie uh, and continuing with my sort of rock band uh, metaphor here, yeah, we have is uh, Francesco is the tortured genius, the lead singer who creates this scene. <laughs> and, you know, women go crazy. They pull out their hair. They take off their clothes. Everyone takes off their clothes and follows him. Uh,
2: of yeah, course, uh, relinquishing their he is plans. undone
0: by his own self destructive creative impulses. Uh, in rock and roll, of course, it's usually drugs. In this movie, it is is <laughs> just extreme self uh, negation and uh, unwillingness to see a doctor or live indoors that eventually does him in. <laughs> and he actually looks worse and worse as the movie goes on. Yes. And he basically just kills himself uh, through exposure. Mm-hmm. He just stays outdoors until he dies. But if you want to get as close as you can to God. Dying is the way to do it. So <laughs> that is sort of like the tragic, you know, rock and roll, and tragic or glorious, depending on how you look at it. Like with all rock and roll, uh, that is his twenty-seven club moment. Even though I think he died in his forties. Yeah, he but, was
1: like forty-two when he died, which surprised the hell out of me.
0: <laughs> well, spiritually, he's in the twenty-seven club. <laughs> yeah, so that is his big moment. Um, he he sort of he removes himself from the scene that he created. It's just it's gotten. <laughs> He's dead now. You know, it's gotten too hectic, too many people, and just goes to live alone in the woods, and uh, eventually uh, dies, but not before experiencing, as Tim mentioned, uh, stigmata. The, mm-hmm. As we said, the official thumbs up sign from God, meaning you did good, kid. Now you can die.
1: <laughs> yeah, because Come to
0: he, his just reward.
1: He basically retreats to a mountain,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know like the 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 movie it takes an inch like um it's not that the movie halts it's just that you know you kind of go it
0: really peters out in the last quarter yeah it's like you go up in the
1: mount with saint francis and then you and then you wait for him to reach apotheosis
0: so his just
2: it's a story of a saint with social anxiety disorder
0: They all had social anxiety disorder, yeah. Tim, okay? and How attention care deficit for your disorder.
1: religious introvert.
0: And they were INTJ as well. Of <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah, not the best, like, time. filmmaking. I mean, it, it. I guess it puts you in the character, but it, it, the movie really just sort of peters out in the last 20 minutes or so because nothing really happens. Yeah. Uh, however, right before there, it does have my favorite scene in the movie, which is after he has sort of gone away to live in the woods with only a few people like more and more people you know the the brothers keep coming to him cuz they want to know what his rules are what they and you know he doesn't want to deal with it but they like this whole group comes and they're like you know or do we really have to you know give up everything should how do we follow these rules and there's a scene where he just sort of peeks out from behind this tree wearing this giant sort of pointed hood it's like covered in sticks or whatever, and he looks like shit. And he just sort of peer, peeks out from behind the tree like a little squirrel, and goes, "You will follow them to the letter, to the letter or not at all." And then just sort of goes away. And they're like, "What? What happened <laughs> to the cool guy, the, the rebel who was leading us?" But did the
2: pile of sticks this, just talk?
0: No, for them, he's too real for the, 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 the fan base that he created.
2: I mean, you know, I just you know, wanna to listen to the album,
0: have have fun, you know, have a good time. I just to wanna it. read the gospels, kick back and have a good time, you know. I'm not trying to take it too seriously, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now
1: like I said, um also,
0: like Saint Francis, I, I have to point out Mickey Rourke is a friend to animals. He is. Saint Francis Officially, St. Francis, you know, uh, we, we celebrate animals on St. Francis, Francis, Francis Day, and Mickey Rourke uh, celebrates dogs every day of his life. He's a, a huge friend to the rescue dog community and is, in my opinion, a, a minor saint for his efforts saint in of raising Wawa awareness and uh, dog rescue.
1: <laughs> yeah, do check out his Instagram account. Yeah. Cause it's uh it's it, it's amazing and yes he is always he's constantly surrounded by tiny dogs which is mm-hmm. wonderful
0: <laughs> there is there is a scene in, in the movie where they meet with the record label i mean catholic church in which one of the cardinals <laughs> does have a, a little wawa he's holding mm. <laughs> it was a kitten. i don't know I, I i should rewind and like computer enhance on it but it did make me think <laughs> oh, it made me think now
1: um I should I should mention, you know, like we said earlier, we watched the movie on Vimeo. Yeah. Um, some kind soul uploaded it because um, I I really don't know where else you can get this movie. It has come out on DVD, um, so you probably can pick up a copy on Amazon if yeah. need be.
2: Or Cinephile in Santa Monica if you're out there.
1: That's true. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Cinephile, your um, your rare and overlooked and trash and exploitation. Video one stop shop. Yeah, we have availed ourselves of it many times. Mm -hmm. Um, But is there anything else that we want to say about Francesco?
2: Go find religion,
0: kids. (laughs) (laughs) I would say find religion if you know that's what you're into. Uh, But you know, be careful because uh, could you know could the the scene could uh, get out of hand real quick. You know,
1: I'll just say be kind to animals.